Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. Welcome to our two-year birthday episode. This is so exciting. A big thanks to you for coming and listening to the show. I'd like to thank my husband, who has been extremely supportive. I'd like to thank all of you, and you know who you are, if you message me after listening to each episode with your detailed, intricate feedback, things that you agree, things you enjoyed, things you didn't. I love, love, love hearing it because it really helps me develop the show and make it better. I'd like to thank my mother as well. She's been a huge inspiration. My parents, my siblings, everyone who listens to the show, you know I'm talking about you. And finally, I'd like to thank somebody extremely special to me. Her name is Rivka Harris. She always responds back with ideas, and she was the one who gave me the idea, encouraged me to start this podcast, and I'd just like to publicly thank her again. Thank you, Rivka. I hope to be a mom like you one day who creates opportunities for her daughters within the Jewish Orthodox world. And here's the show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. If you are new, welcome to the Francisca Show. Today we have a fun episode because we have someone who is an artist and also in a position of servicing artists and helping them grow their business. So I am super excited because I think this is going to be educational and helpful and resourceful for so many of our listeners out there. By the way, if you haven't yet, please write in. I love hearing from all the artists who are reaching out, who are listening to this. I'm discovering new people. I always forget to mention this, so I'm going to just say this right now. Okay, so without further ado, we have today with us Jennifer Rosenfeld, CEO and co-founder of iCadenza from LA. And we also happen to be related, which is super cool. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Awesome. Thank you so much, Francisca. It's so nice for you to have me here. This is super fun. I know you have your webinars and courses, and I've seen your work and what you offer for artists. And so let's just get started like we do with every other episode and tell us about your background and how you discovered your passion and love for the arts. Yeah, so uh, I just can't remember a time growing up where I wasn't obsessed with the arts. That was just always my thing. I think it really started probably when I was um, in high school. Well, growing up, it was really important to my mom that I play the piano. So I was always studying piano, but um, I got really into musical theater in high school and, you know, just loved like listening to cast albums and researching everything I could. And I was always just so fascinated by artists, by the creative people who, you know, were the writers, performers, all of that. I just thought, you know, to create art is the ultimate achievement. It's like the greatest thing someone can do. And I just had so much respect for the people who do it. Um, And I also, you know, continued studying piano and just loved classical music. Um, When I went to college, I studied Russian literature, actually, which was awesome. But uh, I kept doing music, you know, choir and piano outside of that. And after I graduated, I I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. I thought I would go be a lawyer and I did ultimately go to law school, but, um, right after, or right as I was nearing graduation from college, 
I was spending time with my best friend from high school. Her name is Julia, and she's an, you know she had studied opera, and um, we had bonded in high school over music and had collaborated a lot together. And we just sort of had this crazy conversation of like, what if we did something together in the arts, you know? And a few weeks after that, she got this email about a business plan competition at her university. And we said, okay, why don't we, why don't we enter it on a whim? So we knew nothing about business. We, you know, got a bunch of books and asked people for tips, but somehow we ended up winning second place in that business plan competition. And it was such a moment of validation that we were like, of course, we are going to pursue this business full force. So we graduated and that's when I Cadenza was born. That was in 2009. So 10 years ago. So um, since then, a lot has evolved. We have, you know, everything changed after we actually started the business as we figured out what we were doing. Um, but we learned sort of our way of supporting musicians and performers and composers and artists with kind of the business side or how to be empowered as a professional and not just as a as an artist. We also co-founded a talent agency called Cadenza Artists where we book tours. And um, more recently um, in the last, uh, actually about a year ago, I stepped down from being the CEO of iCadenza in order to focus more on my own artistic projects, uh, writing a musical and doing some other things, still doing a lot of coaching, but um, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I never thought this could be a career, but I'm so grateful to do this work. Wow, that's just incredible. Okay, on so many levels. Number one, you have all this talent and you developed it as a child and then teenager and that's what you wanted to pursue. And then you go into law, so you have all the legal aspects, which is very connected to the musical industry. It's almost like you know where, or God knows where you're going to go. So he's planting all these seeds and gets you all the skills you need to get there. And then suddenly there's this competition for business plans and you have no interest necessarily in a, in a company per se. And here you are using business skills. Was she, was your co-founder in business school or this was just? No, she was, um, she was a triple major. High achiever. She studied music. You said she's Russian, right? You told me that once. Exactly. She did music, international relations, and I think Russian and a minor in philosophy. So neither of us studied business. We both went back and got business degrees too uh, later. But yeah, we we didn't really have, um, it just sort of happened. You know, we were definitely encouraged by our parents to consider business since we both come from entrepreneurial families, but it was totally new for both of us. So really cool how this all happened and this sort of became your world over the last 10 years. Let's start with what what the company does. I know you've mentioned a little bit. Yeah, so the core of what we do at iCadenza is coaching services for musicians. So what that looks like is It's a mix of us teaching people skills that are useful to be professionally empowered, um, but it's also supporting them as they step into those skills and take action that is perhaps scary or different from what they've done before and learn how to be more empowered in doing that. So for instance, you know, when we talk about business skills, my business partner, Julia, and I, we actually wrote a book called Awakening Your Business Brain, which is all about helping artists and creative people understand that business is not this scary, foreign, 
concept that I can never be good at and it's the opposite of being an artist. But instead, the core business principles that we need in the arts actually require a lot of creativity. And they re they're essentially based on mindset and principles of human connection. So the business of the arts is all about relationships and connection and looking for how we can provide value to each other. So um, that's those are some of the big areas where we work with our clients, for instance, helping them understand how to grow their networks, how to get more out of their networks, how to add more value to the people around them as a way to achieve their professional goals. So um, that's what we started with. And we've done a lot of things along the way, online education. I've worked with a lot of higher education institutions as well, trying to help shape their curriculum and education for the next generation of musicians. Um, and m most recently, we've been running a group coaching program called Idea to Impact, which is a six-month program, which is all about helping artists launch a creative artistic project that is strategically designed to elevate their career and help them break into a new level. So um, that's something that we are really passionate about because we see so many musicians initiate projects that take so much time and energy and money but then nothing changes in their career. They're just like exhausted and have fewer resources. And we really believe that working on a project can be a strategic career move if it is designed to be that way. So we help with that. And we've had our clients do really amazing new projects that have elevated their careers. So that's sort of where we are now. Um, and then for me personally, my interest has really been in the area of business coaching more recently for musicians because so many musicians I work with are teachers or coaches of some kind. And, um, you know, based on my experience running a business in this area, I love helping musicians make more money and impact others with their knowledge and skills. Right. I know we did on a different episode with, with a fitness coach with Sarah Cooper I used myself as a modeling client. I don't know if I want to do this to myself when it comes to music. It feels so much more real. Or I don't find it as threatening to go to a fitness coach as it is to totally. someone who is a business coach uh -huh. who is an expert in the music industry. Let's not necessarily give me advice, which feel free to do if you'd like to. I don't want to exploit you here on the show. But take us through an example of what it would look like if I came to you and I said, look, I have a podcast that's supporting my brand <laughs> with my music and I'm putting out albums, music videos. I have a recording studio. I don't like performing so much just because it's not practical for me as a parent of a young child. And, and the budgets for hiring musicians, female musicians for all female audiences are extremely low. So even if I would kill myself to get myself out there it would still not be worth it enough mm -hmm. to you know cover babysitting travel putting me out of commission for a few days after a few days before mm -hmm. absolutely and and first of all Francisca you're doing such an awesome job I'm a huge fan uh, and I'm so glad to know you and it's it's so cool that we met and uh you know distant cousins <laughs> so um yeah so I mean you're doing awesome but where I would start with any musician, but I mean, this is relevant to any person 
in life in general, but certainly in the creative fields, is to start with a question of what is your big dream? And if you were to imagine your career, your life, say a year from now, two years from now, and we're able to like envision not just what you think is realistic, but 50% beyond believable, like really going into the dream space without stopping yourself in terms of practical considerations. That's really the most important place to start because um, I found that so many musicians obviously are pursuing something that is so deeply important and meaningful to them. And yet they often stop dreaming big because they get discouraged or they see how hard it is or they're, or, you know, I've had so many musicians tell me that their big dream is to just like be a musician and not starve. And I agree. That is good. That's a good goal. But is that really a dream? Is that why you are doing this? So I think the first step is really clarifying what it is that you want and um, and going deep into that. So, and what I found is a lot of people have never been asked this question. They have not really thought about it for themselves. It can feel scary to go to that place because of like, well, what, what would break in my life if I actually, you know, if that happened? But um, I think it's just a beautiful exercise as a way to start. And then what we would do next is getting more specific about that and then understanding what is standing in the way of you getting there right now, whether it's external, whether it's internal, but how do we really understand within ourselves how, how we like prevent our path to that dream? Um, and then from there, we sort of get more specific on like, how do we, how do we start to make that happen? So in general, the big things that I have seen be really significant for for a, a shift happening in, happening in someone's career are sort of owning that dream and getting clear on what you want and then being willing to sort of stand up with a purpose. And, you know, I, I think what's so great about musicians today is, yes, they're so committed to making beautiful art, but it's also in many cases this desire to have an impact and to see their music impact people in a positive way so the more that we can learn to talk about what we do from that standpoint, the more we will have a basis of connection with the kinds of people who can benefit from our music, either as listeners, people who purchase it, people who hire us, and um, having a basis of connecting with others. So that's sort of a long explanation, but I hope that gives a little insight into how we approach it. So let's go into more practical areas. What would be the next steps mm -hmm. you would advise a client you have a few different things. You have group sessions, group trainings, and then you offer obviously individual coaching as well. So I'm going to want to talk about each of your babies mm -hmm. <laughs> or parts mm -hmm. of the business. Sure. Totally. Totally. Well, so like I said, I sort of work with people in two main areas. One is growing your artistic career. Which um, is? Which is, so that's, well, so we do that either through a group or individual. So basically the individual work kind of mirrors the group work only when we work with someone individually, it is a bit more personalized and it can be broader in scope. 
I mean, what's the artistic project? Oh, so is that doing an album, recording an album? Is that what you're talking about? It can be making an album. It can be designing a performance project that you want to take on tour or perform. It can be initiating a new artistic collaboration between multiple artists and art forms. We've had folks start nonprofit organizations that have an artistic side and sort of an impact side. Um, we've had people start businesses, um, all kinds of things. We've worked with composers who um, put together a consortium, which means you get multiple symphony orchestras to commit to commissioning a new work. So um, the projects can be pretty wide ranging. Again, it really just depends on what is gonna be the best project for your career goals holistically. So, so in our group program, we have a few sessions a week where people can get personal feedback. We also have a lot of online education components where we walk people through sort of you know, the information they need about how to design a project, how to think about the budgeting, how to understand marketing, how to build relationships, all of those things. So that's sort of what we do on the artistic development side. And again, we do that either in a group context. We can also do it one-on-one -on -one for those who prefer that. Um, and then with the business coaching, what I'm typically focused on is helping musicians define an offer. So how they're going to package their services, how they're going to price it, how they're going to deliver it in order to have the maximum impact for the student or the client that they're working with. Um, and then I teach them about how to do marketing, how to get people in, and how to do sales and negotiate. So those are sort of the two main areas. And in our individual work, sometimes we do other more specific things like helping clients who already have an existing organization learn how to grow it and expand the structure. Uh, we've had clients who are thinking about their legacy and how they want to be known the kind of impact they want to have longer term and how to make that happen so all kinds of stuff okay so I'm curious what's the success ratio or I know you have to dream bigger than your actual practical goals are so your clients and you have 10 years under your belt here doing this what do you feel your your clients have achieved for themselves since they've started working with you yeah it's been really amazing um We've had, I remember one of our very first clients was, she's a university professor and she came to us with the dream of writing a book. She'd been dreaming about that for a long time. And um, it, during our work together, um, we were able to support her in getting a publishing deal from a major academic publisher and the book came out a few years later. We worked with a um, film conductor whose dream was to conduct like the live film and orchestra concerts and we worked together for several years in sort of making that happen. And now he's one of the top people who does that. Um, I have a client in a major orchestra who launched a teaching business online and made over $100,000 in his first year. Um, a composer who always wanted to have major professional orchestras perform his works, but for years struggled. And now he's had, I think, over 10 commitments from orchestras who are going to perform his works. Uh, musicians who always wanted to tour, learn how to do that and book more concerts for themselves than they ever have before. We've helped people get university jobs. 
really all kinds of things. But um, what I found is that it's important for us and the client to make sure that we are a good fit for each other because so much of the success depends on them and them being willing to follow our guidance and be open to the coaching. And, you know, if someone is not willing to do that, that's where they don't get the results they want. True. Have you had any clients who wanted to be signed to label and they got signed to label? I know you live in LA. Yeah. So, I mean, we work mostly with classical musicians or folks in the classical crossover area. Um, But yeah, one of our clients, um, and she did this, she put this in motion before we started working with her. Um, She had independently released um, an album that, um, and through her efforts, became a top billboard um, artist. And from there, she was able to negotiate major deals with Sony, um, you know, with Universal. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the, the music industry has changed a lot. The recording side, I would say, is not sort of my particular expertise and focus. Um, certainly as an economic model, it just is not what it used to be. But, um, but yeah, we work with a lot of artists where that is an important part of their portfolio. And there's a lot of considerations involved with that. But it's possible to make it happen. And you, you could work with clients all over the world, right? You are completely online. Yes, I have many clients in Europe um, and all over the U.S. So That's very cool. Okay, so I would say there are two aspects to the word success for musicians or performing artists or maybe for anyone building a brand. I would say one is the recognition of the art or the brand or the artist. And then the second one is financial backing or the representation of that success. Meaning just because your name is recognized and people know your name and know your music does not mean that you're making you know a million dollars on a single. And I'm just throwing out those numbers. And obviously you help musicians and your clients with both. Do you tell clients to focus on one versus the other or is there an order or does it depend on what the client actually want? That's a really, really good question. So in general, I feel, you know, that musicians are not, and it's not just musicians, it's kind of everyone, but it's particularly bad in music. And again, like I work with mostly classically trained musicians who in many cases have a lot of education and a lot of debt and have not been given good advice when it comes to their financial well-being for now and for the future. So um, in general, a lot of musicians are not in a great place financially. And um, the thing is, there's a lot about the music industry that is just not optimal for financial models. Um, so when clients come to us, it really depends on what they want to work on. Um, I really like to sort of investigate where are, where are they in terms of their financial situation? Is that something that they want to work on that getting that in order? Is that a priority for them right now? I like to sort of discuss with them and help them understand what, like to be in a more, financially secure place, what possibilities could that open up for their creativity, for their artistic goals, rather than 
trying to pursue the artistry while like really struggling financially. So I personally think it's a wise decision to sort of get your financial house in order as soon as possible so that you can create with more freedom and without more, without the stress of how am I going to, you know, pay my bills. Um, but some artists, but it's like, if someone comes to me, I'm not going to force them to work on that if they don't want to, or, you know, everyone's situation is different and that might not be the thing they need to worry about, um, for whatever reason. Um, so, so yeah, so it, it is very personal, but what I think is important is to just kind of acknowledge what are the potential business lines that exist within music, within the arts, and how do we create a portfolio within our careers of those in order to have a good financial mix. So for instance, most of my clients are performers, and the number one thing they want to do is perform and get paid to perform and get paid more to perform. And I think that's a great goal, but, and you were, you were mentioning this a little bit earlier, Francisca, like, if you actually think about it, requiring all your income to come from performing is really limiting when, you know, you don't want to be performing or on the road all the time. It's also very expensive, and if you have a family or if you think about yourself 40 years from now, you might not want to have to get out on the road in order to pay your bills. So I think for performers especially, it's very wise to diversify and come up with other income streams that do not require you to, you know, get out on the road. That's true. So, so I'd like to cater this a little bit more specifically to our audience, and a lot of them are specifically catering to the from observant orthodox community or surrounding communities i i'm not sure how familiar you are in terms of your clients that's not exactly their forte but you are familiar with the standards and how limited the female musicians are do you have some you know off the top three five tips you would give specifically to female performers for female performers mm -hmm. so like you said I don't know this market so like I know um yeah like the the professional side of this in terms of what the performance opportunities are what the standard rates are I'm not super familiar with that but here is what I would say um you know, knowing a little bit and knowing a little bit about, you know, the folks who are listening is when it comes to trying to get performances, if that is your goal, the number one most important thing that you can focus on is building a relationship with a person who you want to engage you, whether that's at a school or at um, a synagogue or a community center, whatever it is. Um, if we pitch our programs to people and, you know, write an email or call them and just say, hey, this is what I do. Let me know if you want to book me. That doesn't work. <laughs> In general, that people don't respond to that because it's not like they are sitting there waiting for you to magically appear in their life. And so what instead I recommend is always thinking about how can you be um, adding value to someone else and serving a need that they have. And the truth is you won't know how to do that unless you talk to them, unless you ask them and learn what is it that they're looking for? What does, what can your artistic offering add to their community? So, um, so getting into those conversations, um, you know, 
when when you send a pitch email, um, like asking to have a phone call and um, showing genuine interest in them and what they do and why you think you can add to them. I mean, this strategy, I believe, is just universal. Like for any artist, this is one of the biggest shifts that they can make right off the bat that will get them better results is not just pitch, but build a relationship. Because it's like, with even with my clients, it's very, very rare that someone will find me on the internet, talk to me, and then become a client that day. You know, we need to build a relationship. We need to get to know each other and see if, you know, if we jive and if they trust me and like all of that. So the relationship building is the most important thing. The second thing that I would say is if you are working in a sphere where there tend to be fixed rates for what you do, how can you take what you do sort of out of that box? So for instance, if you are looking to perform at a school and they tell you, oh, we only, our budget for concerts is only, I don't know, $100 or $500. Like I have no idea what it could be. But, um, but what I would think about is if you build a relationship with them, what more can you do to add value to them so that you can create a longer contact, a longer way of engaging with them and a higher fee. So an example I'll give is I have a client who is a pianist who performs for a lot of um, senior communities and libraries and, you know, has gotten very successful doing that. But I told her, you know, when you go into these communities and they love you and you get such wonderful feedback from the residents there, can you talk to their director of programming and explore doing a series or doing not just concerts where you perform, but educational events where you talk about the music and have a conversation and you can probably charge three times as much or whatever it is. So a lot of it on the financial side is how do you expand the value, expand the scope of how you can add to the organization and therefore expand the budget. So those are some of the main tips that I would suggest. And it's very true. I'll just say with the same school, I had this experience. Once they asked me to come and bring a guitar and do a kumzitz, like a sit around, and they said X amount of money, and that's the budget, that's the highest they can go. And then I remember her talking about that same person who did the hire. They had a different program. It wasn't the sing-along, but it was for the dancing. And the budget for that mm -hmm. was like quadruple. So, like, if I just transfer myself into that space, I'm still providing the music, but instead of a guitar, I have sound equipment and there's dancing songs, then it, it's a whole different ballgame. So I remember having that shift, that understanding that, mm -hmm. you know, they do have money, yes. they just want to spend it on the different stuff. Exactly. And I mean, that's such a perfect example, like this whole thing of like, how do you get them from one box where they're like, oh, we don't have money to another box where they totally have money. And, you know, for musicians, oftentimes we're made to feel so undervalued, like no one wants what we do, no one has any money for it. But the most important thing we can do is really get in touch with just how valuable we are. And like, making a list of like, what are all the ways that you add so much value um, and just finding ways to help people see that. If you could say there are two, three traits common to musicians, like cons. I know we know all the 
the pros, you know, they're talented, amazing. Uh, they work hard. What what common negative traits do musicians have that you have to deal with in coaching and restructuring? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I would say number one is the tendency to be a perfectionist um, and sort of like not put things out into the world or not take a step until you feel like everything is perfect and ready. Um, whereas like on the business side, so much of what one of like a big value there is how do you test things before they're ready so that you don't waste a lot of time and money making something that people are not going to connect with. So I think that's number one. I think number two is a lot of musicians can be, and it's just sort of like how the educational system works. And I've struggled with this a lot. They can just be very, very, um, deferential to the people who are in positions of power or the ones who know. So, you know, like a lot of musicians tend to be really sensitive and really care what people think of them. And, you know, it's very common for people to give us our, their opinions about what we do. And then we feel like we're not good enough or we're self-conscious or like we're not ready for this opportunity. And that holds us back. So it's sort of like, how do we tune out the influences of other people? Um, and I think the most successful musicians are the ones who are not as influenced by the voices of others and are willing to be true to themselves and just go for it. Um, let's see. And a third trait, a lot of musicians, again, I say this knowing a lot of classical musicians, they have spent so much time becoming excellent at one thing that the thought of being a beginner at something else is very uncomfortable and they do not like it. So, um, you know, a lot of musicians will say things like, Oh, well I should just be doing my art and I should find someone who is as good as, as good at like networking and being a manager as I am at my art. And like, they can be in their element. I can be in my element. It'll be great. But so much of becoming empowered in your career is about being at the edge of your learning on all sorts of fronts professionally. And those who are willing to do that see much bigger results from the ones who don't. So, Wow, a lot to yeah. think about. And we talked about business coaching and working on the artistic project and the pitch and then being aggressive about building relationships with people and not just sending them pitch emails. Mm-hmm. But we haven't spoken about social media at all. How much mm-hmm. of it do you encourage your clients to engage in and be, learn to become best friends with Instagram or Facebook mm. or whatever other related social media websites are for their industries or demographics? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And like it, it resonates for me because I would say that I am not naturally inclined to use those things. I'm a very musician type where I like to just sort of like be in my cave and all of that. Um, and I think with social media, it can be very overwhelming and there's so many platforms. And if you feel like you're not a techie person, it can be overwhelming. Or if you don't like the idea of having to like give people insight into your life, that feels like invasive. So there's a lot of um, barriers that we can have to doing it. But what I think about is it's basically How do we extend the principle of inviting people in and connecting with them 
in our real world lives and in our online lives. That's the most important thing. So, you know, and I have many clients who are very successful who don't really do social media at all, but they really focus on the real world relationship building. And, and I would say that that's true of my experiences in business. Like I do more on social media now than I did before, but the bulk of my business and work comes from relationship building that I have been doing for many, many years and seeing the fruits of that. So I would say if you are super allergic to social media, it's not like there's no hope. Like I think you can get really far just by focusing on relationship building in the real world. But if you can also focus on relationship building on social media, it's just like double the results. So whether that is like looking for the people out there who you want to connect with and initiating conversations and just starting to share about what you value, what you do, what matters to you so that people can sort of see you as a lighthouse for all the things you want to be known for, it makes a difference for sure. So we'll close with this. We'll do this as an example. I'd like to, <laughs> I want to become your client. What do I do next? What are my options? Totally. Well, what will this cost me? And we got the answer to, will I achieve my goals? Yes, if I'm willing to put in the work. So <laughs> I'll yeah. give you the floor. Okay, totally. So I would say um, uh, if you'd like to learn more, you can visit iCadenza.com. And what I would suggest, we have a lot of amazing resources there. You can join our email list. Um, but what I would suggest is to reach out and book a call. You can do that on our website or you can email me personally. My email is jennifer at iCadenza.com. And I'd be happy to have a conversation where we just dig into your goals, no strings attached, no pressure to buy or anything like that. Um, it's really my pleasure to get to know people and help them get clarity. And the way it works is if we decide there's more we want to do together, we can do that or one conversation can be enough. And that's great. Um, and, you know, our pricing, it really just depends on what we're working on together. So, um, it really ranges, but I would say if, if you're looking for this kind of support, just get in touch with us and be happy to connect with you. Okay, that's great, and we'll post all the links in the show notes so you don't have to memorize any links, and you could get in touch with Jennifer and start taking your career to the next level. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming back. We are at our two-year birthday episode here. I hope you enjoyed this valuable episode. I really enjoyed recording with Jennifer. And if you haven't yet, please leave a good review on iTunes or Google Podcasts and share this podcast with other people you think may enjoy this show as well. 